Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. Time and time again, I observe the topic of fascism coming up. I see it on social media. Uh, I hear it in, in conversation with people. It's really prevalent in the American culture right now. So I decided today that I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to break down fascism. Uh, it's not going to be a history lesson per se. I'm not going to take you all the way back in time to the beginnings and, and walk you through it. I want to give you a little bit of what it is so that you can talk intelligently with your uh, friends or anybody that you come across that's throwing that word out there. Because sometimes I think it's used you know, in, in situations that are fitting. And at other times, I think it's used completely incorrect. So I'm going to go ahead and define it give you some some history, just a brief history, but not a super detailed history. You, if you want a history, you got to go do some of that on your own, I think. And then give you some components so that you kind of know what you're looking for when you think of fascism. And then, of course, because this is a Healthy Perspectives podcast and we've got to do our, our thing, we're going to take a mental health look at it. Uh, which is going to be a slightly different slant than you might be familiar with. So hang in, let's go for the ride. So before I go on, I do want to do one more thing. I did the last podcast on uh, gaslighting. And I, I bring that up because I think this is a very sensible follow-up to that. Why do I say that? Because fascism often uses gaslighting principles. It's very common. And so when you see gaslighting, that doesn't mean it's fascism, but it might be. So when you see these, they often go, at least in part, hand by hand, right? So keep that in mind as you move forward. If you haven't listened to my gaslighting one, I did a whole anatomy of gaslighting kind of topic as well. So go back, listen to that, tell me what you think. So what is fascism? Fascism is a political system. So remember, if you've been with me, uh, we talk about uh, how the individual works its way up to social, to uh, cultural, and politics falls under culture, right? So it's a section of our culture. It often likes to think it's the dominant part of the culture, that it dictates culture. And well, with fascism, it does. Let me explain. A political system, usually headed by a dictator, or in the 2022 model, 
it's going to be a person with a bunch of cronies, some people really close. It's kind of like the head of the snake. It might be, you know, 10, 20, 30 people, you know, in a country our size, it could be 50 to 100 people that are all controlling it. However, you usually get infighting if it's too big. So it's very typical that it's going to be, you know, five to 10 people or smaller. Uh, in many cases, they put the dictator, the one who is the uh, the face of the fascist movement uh, up front. So moving on from that, we have uh, you know the dictator in which government controls business and labor with no tolerance for opposition. It's really hierarchical in that way. So what do we mean by controlling business and labor? You know, there's, I mean, it could be argued that during the pandemic, there was uh, an attempt to control business and labor. It could be argued. I mean, whether you agree with that or disagree with that, the argument could stand, right? Like we, we could make a reasonable argument that it was a fascist movement, there's other criteria that need to be present. And so we'll talk about that. And I'll let you decide for yourself whether we have uh, fascism in our government currently or we have had it in our past. Because there are people who think that the Trump White House was a fascist White House. And there are people who think that the Biden White House is a fascist White House. And you can make arguments for it, either. Either one. I'll explain as we go. I... <laughs> I got to read this to you. It's super intriguing. Uh, I decided to to look up fascism uh, and I came across, I know this is not a great source for those of you who are familiar with Wikipedia. It's not a great source to use, but I, I thought it was kind of funny. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read it and then I'm going to outline why I'm talking about it. It says, fascism is a far-right authoritarian ultra-nationalist political ideology and movement characterized by dictatorial leader, centralized autocracy, militarism, forced suppression of opposition, belief in natural social hierarchy, subordinate of individual interests, subordination, sorry, of individual interests for the perceived good of the nation and race and strong regimentation of the society and economy. Okay, so why might you say am I pointing that out? Uh, Wikipedia is often incorrect. Uh, let's be real. If you've taken a look at Wikipedia, you can see, you know, it gets people's birth dates wrong and they go in and they correct them and then they correct them to being wrong again. Like it, that kind of stuff happens on Wikipedia. So it's not the ideal source. But what I wanted to point out is it's saying it's a far-right authoritarian ultranationalist political ideology and movement. And I say that because I think that was historically true, that it was more of a far-right movement. It is not necessarily a far-right movement anymore. That would be false. If you go, if you follow me here today, you're going to see that it could be a far right movement or a far left movement. Because remember, it's not about and the, the moral uh, identity as much as it's about 
a political system of control. And I say that because oftentimes what seems to be highlighted in fascism is the race debate. And that by itself is not fascism. It's racism. Fascism is about political control with business, labor, and with no tolerance of opposition. It's political. And so inherently, any political party could become fascist if it goes far enough to the extreme. It's not just a far-right movement. It could be a far-left movement, and we'll get into why that, that would potentially be a situation. As seen in history, it has been used to gain political strength from real or imagined economic woes. So what fascism by history has done is it takes the oppressed and it emboldens the oppressed so that it can make a movement of millions off of the you-don't-need-to-be-oppressed ideology. By itself, that doesn't sound so bad, but it gets more complicated. Another thing historically that it's, it's been used for is to blame, in which they take the victim role. They take the oppressed people, they say, you're victims, and you need to stand up for yourself. And they create, on purpose, this polarizing, uh, fighting mentality of like, it won't just happen for you. You have to fight for it. And then they literally turn it into not just aggressive words, but aggressive actions against perpetrators or the perceived perpetrators. Because sometimes if they point at a target and it looks like it's a bad person, they attack and they could be wrong, but they justify it saying they were a bad person. I know because so-and-so pointed. They believe, they truly believe they are doing everyone a favor. I'll give you another example of this. Here's, I don't know if there's going to be some people out there who probably don't like me after today. But CRT is an example of using uh, race to incite uh, high emotion and create a victim-perpetrator mentality. That's what it is. You don't have to like it. Look at what it is. It's pretty clear that that's what it is. The next thing I'm going to go into with the the history is uh, it's obviously got a a nationalism uh, creation. It's saying it's much like what the, the Republicans did with Trump. It's you know, make America great again, MAGA, right? It's that, you know, superiority and, you know, that we are the best. We are the best. You got to go with us because we are the best mentality. Again, uh, like with the CRT thing, I'm like, any of one of these things by themselves does not make it fascism. But hang with me. It also uses what they would, well, what I'm going to term like a moral cancer as a unification point. It's saying there is this one really bad wrong, like a tumor, and we need to cut it out. We need to get rid of it. It needs to disappear forever and ever. 
Oftentimes it's going to be racial, sexual, uh, gender identity, stuff like that. It's going to be those really intense topics because it has to draw the emotion of the oppressed people. So remember that when we're talking about fascism. Components. I have 13 components uh, that that, uh, we're going to take a look at. Number one, it's got a nationalism or superiority uh, component. And number two, it's justified disregard of human rights. It's saying that the ends justify the means. I may have to do something that's not moral within my belief system, but it's because it's going to create a better morality later on. It's part of, that's one of the components. Unifying cause. In other words, they have to have a created enemy. There has to be an enemy. Another component is military. In other words, there's this muscular focus. It's this, I'm I'm powerful, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. Number five, it controls media. Number six, an obsession with national security. It might look like today you might see, uh, you know, this this control of the FBI, CIA, CIA or DOD or or whatever. Look, you're probably in your mind, and we're not even uh, halfway through yet, but there is a very good chance in your mind you are going through this confirmation bias process in your head. If you're a Democrat, you're going, oh, yeah, that's every Republican. If you're a Republican, you're going, oh, yeah, that's every Democrat. Look, both sides, I'm going to reiterate, are capable of becoming fascist movements. Why? Because they're political, and political power is the primary cause of fascist movements, whether it's Democrat, Republican, whatever. So keep that in mind as we go. I want you to keep your mind open as much as possible so that you can understand fascism and you can see it when it's on your side or on the other side. And I say that deliberately because it's on your side. I don't care which one you're on. There are pieces of these components present in the Democrat Party and in the Republican Party. And if you're not in either of those, there's probably something in your party. Number seven, the melding of morality with government. So that could look like, historically, it has often looked like the melding of religion with government. But I put morality because There is this secularism movement in the United States right now that is an ideology, uh, not a religion, but it's very similar in the way in which it presents itself into the culture. I'm saying that because I just want you to be attentive to it doesn't have to be religion. It does not have to be Christian nationalism. It could be secularism, nationalism, (laughs) Secular nationalism would absolutely still fit the criteria. It's like, we are the best because we are the most secular in the world. Like that whole attitude that could come with that, oh, you could absolutely build a fascist movement. Number eight, protection of corporate power. In other words, they want to control the money, control the marketing. They want the money to flow through political hands. We probably have that on both sides already. Let's be real. Number nine, controls the labor historically by suppressing, but could be by bolstering 
like guaranteeing, for instance, right now, there's, I just was reading something about guaranteeing loans to green energy companies who don't necessarily have a proven record. That right there could be a fascist component. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that it is. I'd have to do some more research to, to decide for myself. But I'm saying it could be. Why? Because it controls labor by saying we're going to fund these or we're going to withhold funds from these. Either one of those can, can, can create that fascist component. Number 10, it dismisses historical facts. Now, I don't know about you, but this one has been particularly frustrating for me over the last 10 years. It's like people point to science, people point to history, and they say, fact, 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 fact. And yet, there's so many distortions around them. Anytime we dismiss historical facts, in other words, art, statues, history, like America was racist in its beginnings. That's a fact. You don't have to like it. You don't have to, you know, want it to be that, but it was. And to some extent, it still is. It may be one of the least racist countries in the world, possibly. When you look around the world, it's definitely in the elite category when it comes to, you know, not tolerating racism. And yet, we look back and we're trying to eliminate the fact that we're racist at times. Hmm, That's a bad idea. It's saying we are going to learn from our past by ignoring our past. And no, that's not how it works. But in the fascist movement, that's exactly how it works. Let's pretend the past wasn't the past. We're going to create this, uh, this label that covers everything up until now with very simple concepts. And then we start the beginning right here and right now. That's a fascist movement. It creates this out with the old, in with the new concept. All right, number 11, obsession with crime and punishment. So that would be things like we want to fund the military more, fund the police more, defund the military more, defund the police more. Those could all be potential fascist movements. Why? Because what we're trying to do is create a central power. If the military is too big to control, shrinking it could create the control necessary to take the following step, which is a fascist step. That could happen. I'm only saying that not because it is happening, but be aware that sometimes this constriction is a matter of controlling where the power is so that they can take the next fascist step. Okay. Cronyism is number 12. Who you know is determinant of your value. That's a big problem. I'm going to tell you why that's a big problem later on. But remember that. The idea of uh, creating peer groups that have, uh, you know, pockets of power. All right. Uh, the, The 13th one, the final one I'm going to talk about in terms of components is fraudulent elections. We should be making sure we do everything we can in our culture within reason, not to exert power, but to create the most fair, um, reasonable elections possible. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, we should be fighting for that because it is one of those essential components of fascism. Why? Because once you get in power, you want to stay there.
So I'm going to do something that you've, uh, if you followed me, you've observed from me before. I'm going to go over biological, psychological, sociological, cultural, spiritual. I'm going to go over each of them and talk about benefits and risks when it comes to fascism. So biological risk factors. Here we go. <clears throat> and, re- and benefit factors. It's perceived to be, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just telling you the reality. It's perceived by a fascist movement to be a cleansing model. It's done as a way uh, in the history when we see it, it's often done by race, but really it's any moral cleansing. It doesn't have to be only about race. A moral cleansing could be, uh, you know, a, a population that has not been served, an oppressed population, whether that's done by race, gender, or whatever. It does not have to be by race, although historically it typically is by race. It's based on who is in charge, so it has their biases built into it, right? And so remember when I was talking about, you know, five to 10 people, you know, it's concentrated power, that small group, whatever biases exist in that group are going to be the ones that get built into the new system. That is one of the arguments behind, uh, you know, the, the CRT stuff being taught is that there was biases, systemic biases, Again, not saying it's right, but I am challenging you to keep your eyes and your ears open and pay attention to this stuff. And then ultimately, biologically, it leads to a lot of death. Psychologically, when we're talking about risks and benefits, it's a hierarchical model, meaning there's about superiority on one side and inferiority on the other. That's by design, right? They bring up the oppressed, and then the oppressed become the power. They become the superior, which feels good to them. But think about it. Anytime you replace a superior person with an inferior person, we've just flipped the coin. Now we're on the other side. So is there a better model? Of course there's a better model. But that is what this model depends on. It's about making decisions efficiently. That's part of the reason hierarchy is so critical. It wants to be able to be agile, but not agile in a healthy way, just agile in a a political power way. Um, Poor decisions have really big psychological costs. Things like um, mass homicide, suicide, depression, anxiety, like all of your basics will be, uh, you know, exaggerated in this model, meaning they're going to go up. They're going to be higher. Uh, you can think about like somebody, some, something like the Holocaust as an example. You just get these massive psychological effects that last oftentimes generations, maybe multiple generations. All right. Sociological. Uh, it's polarizing. There's the in crowd and the out crowd. There is no in between because it's, it's claiming to be a moral stand. And if it's a moral stand, you're either right or you're wrong. It's black and white in that way, not in the racial way. All right. Culture resets the culture. It's by design. Fascism resets the culture to a new paradigm. That's its design. And this can be good or bad depending on the view. If you end up in the elite group, you're going to think it was a pretty good movement. 
If you end up in the inferior group, the working class, you're going to think it was a really crappy movement. And really, that's what it comes down to because the emphasis is about political power, the who you know, what circles can you get into, stuff like that. Spiritual risks and rewards. It establishes very clear morality. But the risk to that is when morals are established that you don't agree with, you have to abide by it or most likely you have to die. I mean, it's really pretty clear like that. It's not you get to be oppressed because it's an it's a model that's usually designed to empower the oppressed. So they don't want to oppress. They want to eliminate. So if you don't agree with the morality, okay, you can die. That's really what it comes down to. That's the fascist movement at its core. We went over this stuff really quick. I know the time is ticking away and you know you have limited time to give me, but hang in there just a couple more minutes. We're going to go through the mental health view. This is going to go quick, so hang in there. Top-down model. When you're looking at fascism as a top-down model, you end up with certain problems. When you have that superior viewpoint, you on one side are creating identity crises, people who don't believe they can be themselves. And on the other side, you're creating narcissism. That's what's happening. That's what that system is designed to create. Power is gained by obedience. So individuals who are worth less, they may be incited by the system to do something drastic to move into a, uh, a, a less oppressed or less likely to be killed sort of position. You would have high suicide rates, high homicide rates. Um, extreme behaviors become more and more likely. Anytime you see extreme behaviors, there is the potential there's fascism there. An extreme, uh, you know, like uh, some examples of that would be January 6th or BLM uh, riots that happened in the cities. Those are extreme behaviors. I gave you those two on purpose because they're, they're on opposite sides. But in all reality, there's probably some fascism movements within there. It's oppressed, superior. And then you have codependence, codependence uh, with the system, not with a person. It's the idea that the only way to fit in is to move up in the system. You can't really get your crowd unless you're constantly growing toward a, a higher level per se, right? Or in the military, a higher ranking. It's the hierarchical model. And then there is one other thing that I wanted to point out, and I forgot to do it when I was talking about spiritual a little bit ago. So I'm going to pause here and I'm going to go back and I'm going to do that as before we wrap up. When I was talking about spiritual, I talked about established uh, clear morality. If the morals you don't agree with are there, then you die. The perfect example of it. <laughs> Whether you, whether you believe, uh, you know, in, in Christianity or not, the story of Jesus is the perfect example of an anti-fascist. He died 
because he had beliefs that others didn't agree with. Who were the others? They were political powers. So fascism has existed for a very long, long time because the ultimate anti-fascist could easily be argued Jesus. He never got into the politics. Uh, Well, he was involved in politics, but not from a political view, from a person caring about people view which means he was not fascist. He was the opposite of fascist. So I wanted to say that because in all reality, if we want a more peaceful um, union uh, in the United States, a group uh, that works together and that cares about one another, we're going to have to turn away from fascism completely. When we see it, we need to be like getting away from it. We need to call it out if it's appropriate to do that. You got to be careful because fascist movements often come with that power, right? So if you call it out and you're not doing it in a healthy way, you're going to likely end up being the target, hence the Jesus reference. Okay. I gave you a lot to chew on. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives. Make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S.com. 